today we are going to begin a new series. <laughs> this is pretty exciting. Uh, we, we don't intend uh, that this next series will cover a year and a half like the last one did. Uh, but it is equally exciting because we're going to look at ancient history as it is relevant for us today. In fact, I hope you're ready for this because we are going to go in a time machine all the way back to the beginning. We're going we're gonna to study from the very beginning with the first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. The name Genesis actually is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew text is Barasheth, which means in the beginning. So the book of Genesis actually means in the beginning which is great because those are the first words of the book of Genesis. We're going to look at Genesis, but more specifically, we're going to look at the first 11 chapters because in these chapters, huge, significant things happen in the course of humanity that affect and impact our lives to this very day. So we're going to cover these, these 11 chapters. We're going to focus on Four key events spread out uh, over, I think we're doing 10 weeks on this. Uh, first of all, the creation. We're going to start looking at that today. Then we're going to look at disobedience of Adam and Eve and, and the impact. And then the flood that came later. And then the way people were scattered throughout the world. And, and understanding these chapters and events is, is helpful. But most important. In looking at the book of Genesis, most important is understanding the purpose. So before we, we begin to sift through the challenges of, of understanding Genesis through the lens of modern science, or as some theologians say, the current river of culture, we're, we're going, we are going to focus on the purpose. And so to help us do that this morning, I brought in some things uh, that is important to understand purpose. I, I brought in this little device, and I don't know, uh, maybe it's one picture before that one, uh, that that's the second device, but no, it's, the, it's even one more different. It's an orange one, though. I have a, a, a wonderful device here, and does anybody know what the purpose of this device is? Scott, what is the purpose of this device? This guy is a, he's a uh, true father, I can tell. Yeah, he's nailed that. This is, a, I believe it's called a Lego separator. And uh, if you've got kids or if you have Legos, uh, this is a very important tool because sometimes they stick together really hard. And you need a tool. Lego has made a tool to get those guys apart. That's pretty exciting. All right, next object here. Anybody know what this is? Quiet here. Quiet in church today. <laughs> Scott knows. I'm glad you're here, Scott. <laughs> it is a can opener. Yeah, and you can you can do it. Uh, I guess you can poke a hole in it that way, uh, or use the other side. There might even be more to it, right? A bottle opener too. So it's a two in one. All right, and then uh, one more thing I brought today. This tool. 
you didn't know you were going to get like a classroom education today when you came here. <laughs> what are these tools? You know, Scott, you know, this <laughs> he's quiet. Scott's quiet today. Oh. All right, Rachel, what is this? This is an orange peeler. Can you believe that? Someone has made a tool to peel oranges. So you can, first thing I think you do is you stab it with the pokey end, and then this little end helps you get the orange peel. You ought to explore this after church today. An orange peeler. So I brought in these things today simply to tell you that to understand the value of something, you have to know its purpose. Without its purpose, it has no value. This would be, these things would be shoved in the back of your drawer, you know that drawer in your place that you shove everything you don't know or use? It would be back there. But when you understand the purpose, these things become valuable, especially when you have that orange and you're ready to eat it. You need the orange peeler. Well, the book of Genesis is no different. It reveals the purpose, but much more important purpose than just opening an orange. Because the purpose of Genesis that is revealed to us answers tough questions in life. Questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why is there a world in which I can explore and enjoy? The book of Genesis answers deep questions. We don't have to go very far. We only have to go to the book of Genesis and ask the one who created us. And there is the answer. And that's where we're going to start today. So we are going to start right from the very beginning. Uh, it is Genesis chapter 1, verses. We're going to read the first couple of verses right off the bat. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When it comes to plan and purpose for our lives, there's no better place to begin than in Genesis 1-1 because it says in the beginning. These, I believe, are some of the most important words in the entire Bible. Now, there's, there's no argument here about who does what. There's no explanation here about how it happened. There's no science here. It is just a statement God created. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion these days about how God created the heavens and the earth. And, and I know there are even some people who think that the heavens and earth sort of just jumped into existence uh, by chance. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I don't have to tell you how much, how statistically that does not make any sense at all. Um, it, it is, in fact, it, it reveals our human ignorance and arrogance more than it does anything else to think, that the world around us just happened by chance. Uh, because there's too much purpose. There's too much vision. And we'll see as we get into the book that God has a plan. And so this human audacity, this human, this humanness, this brokenness that comes is not the human at its best sight. It's a little bit like the story of the scientist. There's a story of the, a group. It's a fictitious story. A group of scientists who were really 
accomplished and they were so, so proud of how far humanity has developed in, in the sciences. If you're science, studying science, and you know, you might even understand a little bit of this. You know, we, we've come so far in our ability to understand the world and, and what science can create and what we can do, medicines that are developed. And, and so these scientists were really proud of that. And they, they got to the point where they could produce life and, and you know, all these amazing things. And, and so they decided they would, they would get the top scientists together and they would, they would go tell God, no, thank you. That they were going to tell God they didn't need him anymore because we pretty much got it figured out. So the scientists, they got together and they, 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 they had a, uh, sent the lead scientist to, to talk with God. And, and he said, God, we really appreciate you taking care of us all these years, but we got it now. Thank you. We're pretty good. Technology has advanced so far and, you know, we can create life. So we don't need you anymore. And God, he listened patiently and, 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 and he listened to the, the scientists. And, the, and then he said, well, before we, before we part ways, why don't I propose we, we have a, a human creating contest, okay? Like, let's do it like we did, like I did it back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Let's create human life. And the scientist, oh, he was all excited about that. He said, oh, yes, we, we can do it. So he bends over and he picks up a, a, a handful of dirt because he knows in the dirt, the elements and the chemicals, it's all there. Everything needed to make human life is in his hand. And, and so he takes it up and God says, oh, wait a second. I said, just like I did back in the beginning, it means you have to get your own dirt. You see, that's human audacity. It, it's, it's because God, when God created, he created out of nothing. The Latin word for this is ex nihilo. God created something out of nothing. Now, humans can create things out of other things that have already been around, but, but no way do we ever come close to the idea of creating something out of nothing. Only God can and has created something out of nothing. The earliest Christian leaders taught a lot about creation because in their minds, creation was so important that if you missed the truth of creation, you missed it all. And so they focused on understanding the power of God at work in creation. It was the early theologian, Irenaeus, who wrote, We hold, however, the rule of truth according to which there is one almighty God who formed all things through his word and fashioned and made all things which exist out of that which did not exist. You see, Christian faith holds that God created ex nihilo out of nothing he didn't start with something he started with nothing except himself he spoke the universe into existence the psalmist writes about it in psalm 33 by the word of the lord the heavens were made their starry host by the breath of his mouth he gathers the waters into the sea into jars he puts the deep into storehouses let all the earth fear the lord let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You see, it's important. Because if you accept the fact of creation, that God created the world, then you understand or you have to claim also that God has purpose for the world and he has purpose for your life. And so God created a place 
where he would enter into community. He would invite humanity into community with him and to each other. He put things in order so that community could exist. It's not hard to believe that God created the world. I mean, if you really, you go out and you look even today at the beautiful sun shining, the flowers that are, that are coming to life, and, and you see, and you marvel, and you understand the, the intricacy of it all. God's handiwork is present. But God created the world as we know it with purpose and with order. That's what we see throughout the whole first chapter of Genesis. Let's read further. Verses 3 through 5. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. It means that God brings order by separating the light of day and the darkness of night. God called the light day, and it means that that God has created the concept of time because day and night is a separation, is a division of the reality in which we now have time. There's a purpose for day, and there's a purpose for night, and, and they're not the same. And the purpose for day, I mean, you get a lot of things done in the day usually, but at night, it's better that you rest. It's better that you sleep. There's a purpose for night. And there's a lot, a lot of discussion, I know, even in my household, about the purpose of day and night. And, and sometimes it's because some of us like to sleep late and stay up late. And, and I know that sometimes in the world it's possible, it's necessary to stay up late and do things. But you have to admit, over time, it just makes more sense that you sleep at night and you stay awake during the day when you can see things. I mean, the world is kind of set up on that model for a purpose. It's because God put order into the way we measure time. God has a plan, and he puts things into order. He created day and night. He timed the world. We see it again in verses 6 through 8. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. It means that God brings order to space, that God separates the environment, the the atoms, the molecules, in such a way that that we have uh, the capability of, of life. I mean, if, you, if you're a scientist, you know that we need a certain kind of oxygen in our breath, a certain percentage, and there's a certain kind of oxygen and nitrogen compo- uh, composition in our air that causes stability. Someone has put that into order, and, and, and it actually results into something we call weather. Do you like weather? I suppose it depends, right? Because some places there's sunny weather, there's sunshine, and some places there's a lot of rain, and some places there's lots of snow. I know some of you, or at least one of you, really likes a lot of snow. And, and we have weather. And, and, and sometimes, like it's been here the last few weeks, if you don't like the weather, just wait three minutes, and it'll change. You can have sunshine and rain and winter all in the same day if you like. But God orders the space in which we live so that we can have weather. And it continues, this ordering continues in verse 9. And God said, let the water 
under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God, God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. It means that God brings order to the land. It means that that the land, there's place for food to be produced where seeds can be planted and they grow and, and delicious things like bananas and strawberries and apples can grow out of trees. And then there are other things like Brussels sprouts and spinach and green beans that also grow because they're healthy. You see, God even put an order to our diet. The things that we eat should be balanced. There's an order, there's a plan, there's a way because God wants us to be healthy physically and spiritually and emotionally. The passage continues in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. It means that God brings order to seasons and years. The rotation of the earth and the stars and the sky and the way the universe works, it means that time can now be measured. Now that's a good thing. That's the reason we have birthdays. You like birthdays. God created birthdays right here. Because, because if you have a birthday, I don't know if you like birthdays or not, but if, if you don't, it sure beats the alternative. I will tell you that. But people like birthdays because there's cake and there's, there's, there's celebrations and, and we get to do fun things on our birthday. Now we have a, a custom in our house that, it, that we have birthday cakes for birthdays and it's the father's job uh, to bake the cake. And so it's my job. I'm the birthday cake maker in, in my house and I make, uh, it is a red velvet birthday cake. And it's, it's really pretty delicious, I have to admit. And, and, the, reason, and the reason that I can, can make it is because I have a bachelor in science in chemistry. And I'm kidding about that, actually. No, I, actually, I do have a bachelor of science in chemistry. I do have that. But the reason I can make a birthday cake is because God put it in order the seasons and the years so that we can count our birthdays and measure our time and have seasons. God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he puts it into order. The passage continues, verse 20. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created 
the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. It means that God brings order to the way life works. God wants to fill the world with amazing things, with, with animals and, and creatures. And you don't have to go very far to see this. In fact, you, you can just go down to the zoo here in Debertson. In fact, that's your homework for this week. Go to the zoo and marvel at some of the creation God has given for us to enjoy. God has a plan. I mean, the, we know there's an order to it. There's an order to the animal kingdom. Zebras don't give birth to penguins. And penguins don't lay eggs that hatch into polar bears. It doesn't happen that way. Everyone, according to their kind, God has a plan. God puts things in order for life. And that's what we see through the end of this passage from verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind, and, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds, in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. Every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth, and the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that he had made all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And so we come to the climax of God's creation. God created people in his own image. He created them, male and female. He created them. And there's a whole lot we need to say about this, but we're going to do it next week. So we're going we're gonna to pause with this thought uh, because what we need to know now with this passage in mind is that God gives us purpose. God gives us identity and he gives us an invitation. Did you know that Genesis chapter 1 is one of the greatest invitations in the entire Bible? There's something we need to see in this passage. You know, not only does it give us a good understanding of our purpose and why God creates us, but it 
gives us an understanding of who God is. We actually see right from the beginning of the Bible, right from the beginning of Genesis, that God is community. We have, we have Trinitarian theology right at the very beginning of the book of Genesis because it reveals the nature of God. In verse 1, we see God the Father creating. I'm going to use some illustration for this. God the Father creating the world. I'm going to move these two. Sorry, guys. In fact, we know from the book of James that, that God is a creator. The Father is a creator. It says in, in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The creator is called the Father of the heavenly lights because God the Father creates. But in that passage, we also see that the Holy Spirit is there. The Spirit is hovering above the waters. It's the same image we get from the baptism of Jesus in the New Testament, where the Holy Spirit is hovering over the reality of Jesus at his baptism. And then in verse 3, we see that God creates by speaking his word. And God said, let there be light. The very word of God, according to the Gospel of John, is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect community inviting us to be part of his creation. And so here's the cool part. For the first time in history, which who knows how long it is, because it's ancient history. For the first time, there's an invitation for humanity to join the community of God. It's the most exciting moment in the Bible up to this point. There's an invitation for humanity to be part of God's plan. God gives space. He gives time. He gives resources. He gives everything in order so that humanity can be part of community with God. Not equal to God. Not a little God. But as a special relationship to God. It is the most incredible invitation throughout the entire Bible that God invites us to be part of the God community. And it's amazing. It was and it is an incredible invitation. But I think you know what happened. Humankind uh, was in community with God, but they forgot their role. They began to think, you know, we're just like God. In fact, we could be God. And the community was broken. And we're not going to cover that this week either. But it's enough to know that God still has a plan for community. It's enough to know that God is still inviting us to be part of the community that was broken. And we've messed things up. We've broken relationships. We've broken the earth. We've broken so many things. But God still invites us into that special relationship. In fact, that's why Jesus came to pay the cost of brokenness. In John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have eternal life. And it's a beautiful thing that through Jesus, the community, the relationship with God can be repaired. We need to know that God still invites us into community. He still chooses you to be part of a special relationship with God. Do you believe that? God still chooses you. He wants you to be part of this relationship. When I was in high school, we would have occasionally some time to do some sports. We would play games, uh, football or something like that. And, and we would always have this way we would do it where the, the two fastest, biggest, strongest people in the school, they would, they would divide, they would be team captains. And so they would divide up, and, and each captain would begin to choose their team. And so they would look among the people who were there, and they would pick the fastest, the strongest, the most capable people, and they would say, I want you on my team. And they would go through all that list of, of people, and then after a while, there would be a, just a few people left like me. People that they, go, they, they would say, you can have him. No, you take him. No, you take him because I wasn't the biggest, the fastest, or the strongest, or any of that. I was lucky to even be there. Eventually, I got put on somebody's team, and, and well, it's, that's, that's, that's a sad story. But, <laughs> but here's the good story. The good story is, is that God is the true captain, and he picks you first to be on his team. Right now, he's picking you first to be on his team, to be in his community. He says, I choose you to be part of community, and it's cool. God is still at work creating community and inviting us into a right relationship with him. You see, that's God's dream. Right from the beginning of the Bible in creation, his dream is to have community where we would join what God has created in a special relationship with God. And that's the purpose of our life. That's why you exist. That's why you're here. That's the answer to every question you can ask. This is your purpose. Someone once made an analogy of, of this to a, a rubber band. I, I think you know rubber bands, but if, if you have a rubber band, you know, the, the best use of a rubber band is to pull it because when you pull it, there's tension. There's dynamic purpose. There's tension. And, and you can use it for all kinds of things. I mean, you can shoot it. You can put papers around it. You can all kinds of fun things. But if, if the rubber band doesn't have tension, then it's pretty much worthless. You throw it in a drawer. You don't use it. We were made to have dynamic tension and purpose in our lives in relationship with God. That is your purpose. That is what God wants to do. If God can create something out of nothing. Imagine what he can do with your life today. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are still inviting us to be part of your community, to be part of, of your special relationship in a way where you are Lord and we are not, in a way where you are God and, and, and we are not. Lord, thank you for loving us and inviting us to be part of the family, to be 
chosen for the team to be special in your sight. Help us to respond appropriately through Jesus, through the forgiveness of sin, through the offer of new life and joy in Christ. We thank you and we pray that we be receptive. We pray that we be open. We pray that you continue to convict our lives even now. And we pray all in the name of Jesus, our Lord.